Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, built with MongoDB, we're talking with Mark Hosking, who's the CEO of FormBird. FormBird is what you might describe as a low-code, no-code solution, but I think that might sell it a bit short. It offers really amazing flexibility and power, even beyond what you might think of as a traditional low-code, no-code solution. We have a great discussion about how Mark is leveraging MongoDB, not only for the stack, FormBird allows you to create applications and stores that configuration code inside MongoDB, but it also gives you, the developer, the ability to leverage MongoDB as a part of your user data. Really powerful platform. Mark's a really interesting guy, has amazing breadth of talent. Here's a CEO that has the ability to talk very technically uh, at great technical depth about how the product was built. So I had a, a wonderful conversation. Nick and I really enjoyed having him on the podcast. I hope you enjoy the episode as well. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. How are you today? Oh, thanks, guys. Great. It's great to join you guys on, on MongoDB. Um, fantastic. Would you, for the audience, would you introduce yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Well, my name's Mark Hosking. I run an organization, a company called FormBird. We're a low-code, no-code uh, application platform. Um, I'm, historically, I started as electrical engineer back in the uh, good old days, but uh, have been in the technology game for, for way too long, starting with uh, developing on Z80 processes and uh, uh, machine code assembler. I'm excited to talk about FormBird and, and learn about how this, this product came to be. Uh, you mentioned low-code, no-code. I want to get into that and exactly what that means. But before we go there, tell me about how this product came to be. How was it built? Okay. So uh, we've, I've been involved in building enterprise solutions uh, basically all my career. The problem has been is the, the cost of development, the cost of delivery has always been incredibly high. And if you follow the, the traditional waterfall uh, development cycle, it, it, it has often led to many failures. So the cost of development has always been a big issue. And then the, the problem for me has always been that uh, if you have a, a low code or a, a rapid application development environment that we've seen over many years, whether it be Oracle Forms, uh, Progress, Lotus Notes, um, Microsoft uh, Access, They'd always live within a garden that uh, was very restrictive on capability and scalability. So the principles were that we, we started in the asset management and works management space. And works management um, really requires a, a very close molding with, uh, with the organization's uh, operational um, requirements. And therefore it's very unique to that organization. So you inherently end up building unique solutions. That then lends itself to the issue of uh, how do you deliver a cost-effectively and in a timely manner solutions. Originally, we actually started with a .NET um, kind of architecture. Um, it was a sort of uh, FormBird version 1.0. And this was back in um, early 2000. And at that stage, we had a mobile product that was running across uh, radio networks prior to any of the 3G or 2G networks. 
And that really was a, the first genesis of the, the requirements, if you like. But even then, it still required very heavy duty development. The evolution of and the event of technologies in the web environment really let us take components, um, web components, things like MongoDB, to then really build out a framework that really enabled us to deliver rapidly uh, business solutions. So did you start with the product leveraging a relational technology rather than a document-oriented solution? Yes, back in 2000, 2001, two, when we started the whole the construct of, of our mobile solution, that was all on a, a SQL Oracle construct, so it was all uh, relational-based. Uh, we'd spend uh, half our life um, data modeling, and this is always the greatest challenge, is, what, is what, what does a data model represent? And, and from our point of view, or from my point of view, you'd always model a, an environment, and it was always from one perspective. It might be from the finance perspective or from the operational perspective. But as soon as someone wanted to introduce a change to their, their, their business, the model would often collapse in one form or another. So we started, yes, on a, on a uh, relational environment. Um, the actual form bird itself, it was a complete clean slate. There was no code that came across. Uh, the, the previous architecture of our, our technology was uh, Oracle SQL Server backend. In fact, we had a, a Java middle layer and then a dot, .NET front end. Um, we were very nervous on the front end because uh, the history of uh, Microsoft is uh, to, to switch out your front ends on you. Um, so we try to minimize our business and application code within the Java stack. Then really as the, the JavaScript and um, we decided that we really needed a new construct, uh, that's when we, we, we took the brave move and uh, really looked at the mean um, stack. And that really was the starting point uh, back in 2017. The what stack? The mean stack. Oh, the mean stack. All right. So uh, got it. I'm wondering if the vision for Form, Formbird has changed over time. It sounded like the, the initial vision was really to enable agility and, and rapid application development for, uh, for not necessarily you know, people that are writing hardcore code, but maybe even folks that are using um, low code, no code. Has the vision for the product changed much over time? Uh, the vision for Formbird hasn't changed. Um, the original documentation and design was really based on that, that historic um, requirement building. What has changed, I suppose, is, was our go-to-market. Um, what we what we quickly discovered is we we had we built a, a very solid framework that really meant that we could put together these applications quickly. But what we were finding was very difficult to educate the market on on the capabilities. So what has changed is our go to market strategy, which really has meant that we are now building more applications on our own platform and meeting one of the key objectives. And one of those key objectives um, we we placed on ourselves was that. Even though it was a low code, no code, we didn't want it, the results to be a very simplified forms tool. So the end results had to be uh, products that were competitive against vertically built or dedicated coded applications. So we wanted solutions. We didn't want to compromise on the user experience, performance, or, or general capabilities. Um, and therefore, we, we wanted us a technology platform that would then compete on people developing um, solutions on, on the raw .NET, Node.js or what have you. So we didn't want to compromise on that. So one of the guiding principles is for us to minimize um, the gap between the developer and, and the capabilities. So 
I, I have a very a very simple principle, which is less is more. The less we interrupt, the more we can provide. So the less uh, parameters in the solution that that really you know sometimes people would call those features often become a limiting factor on the other end. So for an example, if I was to place um, a restriction that the solution had 10 security levels. Well, that is actually a restriction. So we actually have, have used the uh, many of the principles from the Unix operating system, which really says every application or every application or, or Formbird itself is built on itself. So it is um, it has a few guiding um, constructs that give developers and implementers the total freedom to really build out whatever part of that model they can. So what has changed is we are now building a number of vertical applications, which we're now finding successfully using to market the capabilities of the technology, but they are themselves are now entering the market as successful vertical applications. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, so you said that you're using uh, Formbird for your own applications, right? I got that correctly. Um, and then you mentioned that this is a low-code, no-code uh, solution. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that developers have the option to, to add some code uh, to their applications. What, what are the supported uh, languages or the supported stacks that developers can use uh, when adding upon Formboard? Okay, so that's a, that's a great question, Nick. So what we, part of uh, the approach was really to become a container for the modern architecture. So again, in not interrupting the um, capabilities or the ability for a developer to embrace uh, the sort of modern architecture, we really become a container for um, the component model. So whether they be React components, Angular components, or Vue components, each of we, we inherently um, can leverage almost a 100% native component within the application. So we really then form the application layer between um, the front end components and the database itself. So we can provide all of the uh, security model, the business logic and everything else. And it all sits within the very standard construction of JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and the components. So really we're very much able to leverage any um, modern component. So our, our developers and our partners are often pulling, whether it be Chart.js or DSJS or you know, any of those elements and really able to very rapidly form a front-end component that just drops straight in and, and then binds to the data and the database itself. So MongoDB then gets bound to it with all of the application layer between it. That, that sounds great. I worked on a similar uh, system concept way back in the 90s, and uh, there was this concept of, of modules that you could plug in. So it's theoretically possible then for developers to work in multiple languages to build a a complete solution using Formbird, right? In many ways, the 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 the, the beauty is really is taking that component model, um, particularly you know you're looking at the React you know from Facebook, um, Angular from Google, and really being able to plug and play off um, quite diverse sets of libraries. And and there's 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 both the the massive open source community that can provide those. Um, but there's also a number of commercial, whether they be Gantt charts, whether they be various graphics, um, and a component on a on a Monga, on a Formbird form can be as little as a single text box to really consuming the entire entire form, and you can drive that entire environment with your own CSS, your own HTML, but you can also build a form without a single line of code and really just using 
a very simple JSON document to cut and paste. So what we've been able to achieve is the ability to really throw up a form within quite literally minutes. The business is able to cycle through the um, requirements through a live environment. You know, it, we, we don't develop documentation, we develop applications. And it really is, which we, we follow the MongoD principle of, of MongoDB makes databases simple, Formbird makes applications simple. So app development, it, we follow 100% the, the Google progressive design. So if you know, understand the progressive requirements, there's about 17 requirements within that, that, that stack. And we, we pretty much follow every single one of those, including the capability of, of going and operating offline. That capability, you know, we store the data within um, IndexedDB and, and with true, true type and um, the ability to run native apps, we can now compile to a native app as well. But the applications themselves are 100% stored within MongoDB. So it's a 100% data-driven application, although the components themselves can come from CDNs or, or what have you. So they, they can be built using Visual Studio Code or whatever development tool you wish, placed within the environment. And therefore, you can separate your sort of core hard developers using JavaScript, HTML, and CSS to your business um, developers or business implementers. And those, the, our best developers these days are, in fact, our business analysts. One of the things that has been a challenge for some systems like this is source code control. Does Formbird work with, let's say, GitHub? Like, how do you implement source code control in your application development lifecycle? Well, the, um, that's, a, that's a really good question, Michael. Um, it's really broken up. The components themselves operate as, uh, as web components. So they can fully leverage um, GitHub, um, Bitbucket, whatever you like, to, to manage that actual component. Once it sits within our database, um, because it's within the database itself and it's, it's data-driven, we run total versioning. So there's no such thing as delete or update of a, of a document. We version absolutely everything. And therefore, as the application is built within the database, our version management is actually through MongoDB movement of data. And we, we still run the traditional stack of, you know, for our larger enterprise customers who don't want to be interacting with a, with a live environment, they will run through a dev test UAT prod um, migration. But rather than migrating code through, um, through, through you know, standard branching and, and Git, we're using Mongo. MongoDB queries. So we're pulling out um, based on sets, based on what's changed, based on, on you know, a, a module that wants to be moved and really just exporting and importing into the other environments. So that can be a challenge for folks that are used to, uh, to that GitHub lifecycle where you, <clears throat> you, you uh, get clone, you, you make your, your changes and you, and you get pushed. I'm imagining that you've got some type of uh, some type of integration with, uh, with a source code so that developers can continue to use that, that kind of methodology? It really is all contained within, um, you know, it is, it is that split. The components themselves follow that methodology because there is code involved in that. Really on our, our low-code, no-code side within the framework, it, it's really not required because you know, the, the, there is, it's not a single stack of code. We're really, we, we run what we call the core technology. And then the JavaScript actually sits on top, more like a, a macro language. So it's far more like Excel and a spreadsheet. But the, what we're doing is we're actually leveraging the native languages. So rather than having our own VBA or having our own 
um, construct. We, we 100% leverage the, the JavaScript and HTML and CSS within the application. So that becomes our macro language. But then if someone wants to branch out and do something, I suppose, more sophisticated, more interactive or, or more, you know, whatever it is, leverage third-party libraries, that's where they then jump to a, a React component or an Angular component. And they're really then using that full source control and manage. But then you have the BA who wants to throw that component up on a form They'll define the parameters, what, what's being called, the driving parameters, and that'll be dropped onto a form with, with, the, with a small piece of JSON. Okay, so I'm, what I'm hearing is it's, it's a bit of a hybrid. You can still support for individual component uh, context. You can support um, you know, developers leveraging their, their source code repositories and then integrate those into the final solution. And then Formbird will have its own versioning system built in so that the components that BAs are are maintaining can can live uh, right alongside those those additional components. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So you can sort of think of it as you've got the metadata and the the definition of what we call a template. A template defines the form. The template contains components. Those components are referring out to one of these one of the, one of the web components. And those web components can be located anywhere. They can be located uh, on the server itself on a CDN. It's just it's just web referenced. Once it's loaded, it'll actually get cached um, within the Formbird server, so there's no um, delay by having to go back out to that CDN or that environment. And the developers, so there's a real sort of there's a there's a two two or three tiers within the architecture. There's the front end configuration and building, which, like I said, there's there's really no limitation. You, you throw the components down, you define its functional behaviour, you build and use JavaScript to do um, onload rules. Um, on form change or field change rules, pre-save, post-save, and then we have back-end um, events as well and pre-save and post-save events on the server. They all have RESTful integration points. Um, the user on the back-end is the same as the user on the front-end, so integration is very powerful and easy and really gives you a, a, a very open RESTful API into that environment. So then we've got the middle, if you like, in terms of the more technical, and then you're dropping down now to those component builders. And really, we're still not then down to the bottom, which is the core, what we call the core of the technology, which is, is, is the Excel or what have you. And then we have MongoDB, which is driving that whole environment and providing us the raw data source. And we place that um, application overlay, overlay it. I would actually be interested in diving in deeper into how you're using MongoDB, because it sounds like it, it plays a very heavy role in what Formbird offers. So. Um, for example, at Formbird, are you are you using MongoDB Atlas or are you running on-prem uh, instances of MongoDB? Great point. We're actually um, using both, Nick, and we're moving more to um, MongoDB Atlas. We see that as an exciting opportunity. When we started back in 2017, obviously uh, at MongoDB Atlas was, was simply not available. So that was not our starting point. So it has been on-prem and on-prem has been really within our server stack because we run as a SaaS um, construct even for our, all our existing customers. Um, but moving forward, we're providing the opportunity for our customers to, to move to uh, MongoDB Atlas, reducing that, that workload from our point of view and our scalability through MongoDB Atlas. It also provides us, I think, with a great opportunity. We see it as a fantastic opportunity where people can actually access and, and manage and control their raw data the, the way they wish to, um, with, with largely no knowledge will we have no knowledge of, of their environment. So from a security and access point of view, that is their data and they're accessing it. 
when they fire up a Formbird server, the server fires up, connects to MongoDB Atlas, and then provides a, a front end. So then you end up with, with really the best of both worlds. You've got the low code, no code, but full access and full control to MongoDB Atlas. The files, for instance, for images, for taking um, photos or loading files can then be also stored either within our own environment and people can get SCP, FTP, SCP access to those files or, again, back up into um, things like into AWS uh, S3 storage. So when somebody starts developing applications with Formbird, are they using a, like a, a shared uh, MongoDB instance with all other users of Formbird or are they getting their own uh, kind of database or collection or cluster. Um, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, um, we actually run both. So some of our uh, customers are running uh, their own um, complete VM, which is the full stack. So we run MongoDB, Formbird. We actually use we leverage, for instance, Redis for some of the high performance um, caching and, and, and distribution. We've got obviously Node running on that because we're 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 fundamentally a, a Node app. Um, and then we have, uh, we're, we're just actually transitioning at this point in time to a container environment. So we're using LXD, LXC containers, using a shared MongoDB um, cluster, uh, running a sharded, sharded cluster environment in, in that. Um, but still some customers really want their own uh, controlled VM, in which case, and some of those are actually coming through using a layer two connection into their organization if they if they consider themselves as, you know, either, either for security purposes or access or, or whatever they feel they, they need. Um, as I said, going forward, we're actually now in the process of, of moving to a, a Kubernetes serverless environment where really what we will be managing is purely that Formbird application in its own right. And we see um, MongoDB Atlas as being our data store. And therefore people can really just say, right, I'm going to connect this application to this MongoDB and fire it up. And you mentioned that uh, you, you handle all of the versioning of the components in MongoDB. Um, so I, I'm curious, how, how many versions do you go through in a, in a typical amount of time? And what does that look like from a scaling perspective? Do, do you find yourself having to scale frequently? It's, it's surprisingly, we, we have part of the architecture also is, is, is actually allowing, you know, we're building out our IoT capabilities as well. We, we, we actually have one of the capabilities of the Formbird platform is the ability actually to, for the front end to talk to multiple MongoDB sources. So one of our applications is for vehicle tracking, but it's actually part of our general IoT strategy. So we actually have a customer now implementing smart meters for smart water, water meters and really bringing, from our point of view, IT is bringing, bringing data together. So where I'm heading with this is, is the um, scalability factor. So one of our customers, for instance, is, is not, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not, not ginormous by, by any stretch of the imagination, but they're still doing probably about a million transactions a day. Um, the, the, on the general business application, it's surprising how few. We, one of our larger water utility customers have about 300, 400 users. They're probably up to seven, eight million documents over two, three years. Even though every single document is versioned on on every single event, um, you know, if you're creating forty, fifty, sixty thousand, you know, documents that are operational documents, whether they be you know re service requests or work orders or what have you, each would go through say five or ten or twenty different versions. It and MongoDB, it's just it, it really is a a whisper of of effort to, to achieve to to manage that sort of volume. 
volume has really not been been an issue whatsoever, even with that. Uh, and and that's that's part of the capability of MongoDB that we just love is that scalability. And look, the 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 heart of Formbird wouldn't exist without MongoDB, to be honest. And it it did take us a couple of years to understand the um, that flexible model. Really, we've almost thrown away. Um, the whole concept of data modeling. And this is what we've really been able to enable our designers and application designers. I was talking to a, a customer yesterday about this and what it has done is even though it's simplified the development process, what it actually has meant is that the complexity or the sophistication of the applications can now be much greater. Because you've reduced the complexity on one side, it actually gives you far greater capability on the other side. So our applications are becoming far richer and far broader than what we ever could have achieved with when when we're using a relational model. I call it the, the, the stack of cards or the house of cards. You know, I used to, we used to model up to, to such a great degree and we'd have you know, almost this enterprise model, but then someone would come along and want to change one of the key relationships. And often the stack would almost fall apart because at that point you're trying to pull out the card and change a serious um, conceptual relationship and that would throw it out. But with, the, the, the document model and MongoDB supporting that document model, you really throw it all out because now you're dealing with simple properties and you're really talking about developing relationships between individual properties, between individual documents. So it's infinitely relational. You know, I've, I've had many arguments in particularly in the early days with, 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 with designers and uh, with DBAs. You know, I, I did spend 25 years in that, that DBA space. So it's, it's not that I, I haven't had any experience in that. And they really, and many people couldn't get it. You know, you'd, you'd jump online, you'd see this abuse about MongoDB not supporting relational uh, constructs. Well, I actually argue that MongoDB supports infinite relationships because you really are now focusing purely on the property and the relationship between those properties and they are dynamic. So as the organization changes or discovers new relationships, it's far more important now to look at your thesaurus of terms. So if you want a term within the organization like status or name or something like that, it's to be consistent on that individual property because then when you're defining an entity, you're now really defining an entity with multiple properties. What you don't want to have is work order status or person status or something else. You want just the word status because as soon as you do that, that becomes a common join between multiple documents or multiple entity types. So if I've got a person and a work order and an invoice and I have the term status on it, instantly I can, can drill down on all of those with one of my queries saying, can I have a status of new or open or available? And then I don't care what it's going to hit. And that's incredibly powerful if you get your thesaurus right. So now we spend all our time just saying, again, following our principle, less is more. Keep your, your, your thesaurus down. Keep, but, but that really, it really does mean that, that anyone can be a data modeler. I love that concept. And we, we've taken to using the term uh, tabular to describe uh, formerly known as relational database management systems because the term relational really doesn't, do a good job of describing uh, the capabilities. <clears throat> so we refer to formerly relational databases as tabular and MongoDB as relational or, or document-based. And I love that. So I'm curious though about uh, FormBird, what does the, I'll use the word data model. I know that you don't want to use that, but what does the, the data model look like in terms of the number of collections that you have? A, a great question, Mike. We actually have one 
collection. We use principally one collection for an application. This is actually a key capability that um, really lets us provide um, a totally vertical um, solution. In the end, this, this, this is again reducing the stress and workload on, on that data modeling issue. Because what we do is we, I think I sort of touched on the point where we followed in, in fact the, the Unix or Linux, Linux Unix model. So if you look at, look at Unix as an operating system, it has a very small core that has some very small, cap, you know, very key capabilities. But then if you look at the file and the file system itself, it has a, a set of parameters which gives it, it the properties of that file. So what we've done is we've actually, we basically tag every single document with, with, a, with a control sub-document. So we call it our system header. And that system header drives all of the properties that enables that document to be known to the Formbird um, application or platform itself. And they drive the security, they drive the versions, they drive, you know, and again, it, it maintains, a, it's a very, very small lump. The rest of the documents up to the, to, to the designer or your user. So there's total freedom of what you do below that, whether it be specific docu you know, data for the application or not, you know, it could be invisible to us um, as far as we care. So it, it really, there is not really a data model. Again, it comes back to we don't, we, we try and we've, we've reduced that, that demand down to an absolute minimum, which then gives ultimate flexibility. Uh, you know, we have, we have a couple of people in the US developing a, a dating application. We've got partners developing um, in the asset and works. We've got partners developing in, you know, IoT and, and what have you. So we, we've really we, we don't put any constraints. So there's no starting point. The starting point is really a set of controlled um, properties which really control that document and, and, and put a layer over the top of that. The flexibility then comes is how do I want to express the rest of that document? So you mentioned several go-to-market strategies, uh, some uh, industry-aligned applications that you've, you've developed. What, what is the percentage maybe of revenue or of, of effort in the company, what does that look like distributed across those various go-to-market strategies? How big is the Formbird engine in terms of, of revenue or sales versus the industry-aligned solutions? Yeah, good, good question. Um, it's actually, this is, this is where we're really, um, you know, pushing that, 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 that migration from, at the moment, it's 80-20 uh, if you like, in terms of the, the platform itself and our industry solutions. Um, but the solutions are now starting to drive the, the uplift of the actual platform and just leveraging the platform itself. So we would have 10 or 15 partners in the process of, of developing various um, applications, whether it be a consulting type thing or a, a vertical or, a, or even just a customer implementing their own, own solutions. Our own applications have really been focused in where our business expertise has historically come from, and that's been an asset in works management. So we have a fleet management application, which really covers all of the requirements of managing a fleet of vehicles. Um, we're actually in the process of also releasing a service, fleet as a service, which is really looking at, at fleet management, which is really a com combination of the sort of lease and financing of, of vehicles, as well as the whole fleet management side, which really is, is, is talking about um, the whole process of managing a vehicle, you know, from end to end, the service regime, the maintenance regime, the um, responsibility and all of the rest of it um, is what the application is doing on top of the, if you like, the simple 
simple um, financial and, and, and management of it all. We also have a works and asset management in the water utility space, and that's very geospatial. So that really is looking at uh, both the above ground and below ground assets of, of water utilities. And we're using um, you know, open layers and Google and what have you to present the geospatial data. Our largest customer there have got about well, nearly 2 million assets, um, and that's really it covers all their underground pipes, their above ground assets, their treatment plants, their what have you. In fact, in that organisation, in, in almost all our organisations, we're the only environment that brings all of their assets together in, in one location. Traditionally, in those sort of environments, you'll have a GIS solution which maintains the raw geospatial data, and then you might have an asset management solution that, or, a, or a financial solution that maintains the, the above ground. We, in all our sites, we're the only environment that actually has both because staff are going out to manage it. And in those environments, we're actually doing complete end-to-end. -end. So from call taker to dispatcher to field crew, back into the asset owners, doing asset planning, doing um, you know, maintenance schedules and all the rest of it, managing their contracts. It's actually you know, a number of our customers do the contract management as well because they outsource much of those processes within that one environment. But this really comes back to, again, that, that fantastic flexibility of the, the MongoDB document model and our scalability there is that we, we term it um, vertical scalability and horizontal scalability. So vertical scalability, we refer to the capability of the, the front end and UI and really the unlimited term of, of, of what you can potentially present to a user and interact with the user and horizontal being the business function, really the ability just to keep adding on and adding on and adding on. We also have the concept of, you know, I said we, we put our, our, our applications within one, one, um, one, one um, collection, sorry, <laughs> just went blank there, within one collection. But we also have the ability to have multiple um, applications working together and cross-sharing data with the same security model. So that really then means that you can have different costings of applications. You know, in many businesses, you'll see that the, the cost of one application, and when I'm talking about cost, is kind of the importance of that application. You know, our works management within the water utility is controlling and managing three or 400 staff, and it's 24 by seven. And if it goes down for five minutes, they're screaming. So the cost and management of that is very tight. It's very traditionally release managed, um, you know, lots of UAT testing, lots of process management in terms of the application. But that still doesn't stop an organisation requiring that little access database or spreadsheet or what have you. So our ability to run multiple Formbird applications, sharing data across applications, really lets an organisation therefore have their big enterprise applications, then maybe multiple smaller applications, or, or multiple large applications that can share and cross-share data, but they may have different uh, security requirements in terms of access relationships between the user and the data sets. And so this really lets people build out quite a complex and scalable model from just even just that single core. So, our, But this doesn't stop very small organisations. Our smallest organisation or smallest customer is a plastics factory and they have 15, 20 staff, and all they needed was a very simple handover application between shifts. They've got, they're running 20 machines. Um, in fact, what happened was they, they came online, they basically did a couple of hours training, discovered how, we could, how they could leverage the documentation. The son-in-law went off and built these uh, half dozen forms. And now every night, the, hand, the shift workers uh, hand over from one shift to another, taking photographs of the, the breakages and failures and what have you. Whereas previously that was all being managed uh, through email and spreadsheets and all the rest of it. So now they have a very simple control mechanism. So by spending, you know, in the hundreds, not the thousands, 
and spending dollars a month rather than thousands of dollars, um, they now have their own control mechanism where they can go around with their iPad, take photos, do a shift handover and all the rest of it. So that's on the very small scale. So we see you know, scalability and capability to deliver from the smallest customer to the largest enterprise is a, is, is a major achievement. You know, without, without that scalability, it really is not a very good reflection of the capability of the technology either. Yeah. I love the story. I am curious about the, the revenue model. How do you bill? Yeah, revenue model, that, that, that has been one of our greatest challenges. Uh, the, you, you set up a business and you set up technology and the technology appears to be the hardest thing and then you try and uh, go to market and then you suddenly discover that there's, there's a real connection between and, and if, you, if you have a platform like what we're achieving is uh, the flexibility of the platform then requires flexibility and scalability of your pricing model. So that has actually been a major challenge, but, but we believe we've overcome this and we've actually, you know, followed the MongoDB Atlas model and the, you know, AWS, the, the sort of provision of, of, of horsepower. Because we inherently are, you know, on one end, we are a platform and we, we're basically providing CPU for a, or, or capability, CPU power for the application itself. This is what we're going to be moving to or where we are moving to is, is a, a processor-based charge. Um, in fact, the, when, we, when we fully release it and we're just, just finishing our testing on it is the ability to, we, we have a dynamic, we have a, a serverless environment where the servers do shut down on, on no activity. So it'll be truly pay-as-you-go um, environment. So as I, as I try and attach to um, a, a Formbird URL, um, whether it be your own URL or Formbird-specific URL, the reverse proxy detects whether or not the server's, server's up, it'll then fire it up. We were able to fire up the server within about 12 seconds. The user then gets access and then like a normal PC or whatever, mm -hmm. after two or three hours of inactivity, depending on your configuration, it'll actually shut down. So we'll be charging a, 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 a cents per hour. So it'll be sort of the traditional 30 cents, 50 cents per hour. So if you only use um, one hour a week, well, your server's costing you 50 cents an, uh, a week. Um, on the other end, um, our applications are then sold based on the market of the application. So, for instance, our fleet application, it's, it's marketed on a pure SaaS. So it's actually based on a per asset um, price. So we actually we market it as we do against any of our competitors and we market that as a, as a SaaS application. So moving eventually, you know, looking well into the future, our, 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 our future state is that we'll actually then be providing that whole billing process for other people, other customers or partners who want to build Formbird applications as vertical market applications and, and run their billing model as well for them. So we have a number of small partners who are building applications. They really don't want to go through the whole, um, you know, the, the whole billing process, the whole full SaaS end-to-end. -end. They just want to build a little application that they'll go off and sell. So therefore, they'll come along, they'll fire up a Formbird. Well, first they go and go to, to MongoDB Atlas. They, they, they subscribe there, they might get the free, free tier, they load a free tier Formbird, build their application and then launch off from there. So really we're scaling from a processor-based charge and you know, you, the number of, of cores or processes are basically about the number of threads that are Mongo, uh, node threads or non node processes. Our largest customers, you know, three, 400 users are typically running say four threads or four, four node processes. Um, and then they just pay per hour for that. So really, 
we believe it'll be it's it'll be an incredibly scalable model, particularly with the, that shutdown and, and availability on demand availability really means that that customers will be truly pay as you go. And that will really give us scalability within our own infrastructure and not have thousands of servers sitting there for, for two hours a week of, of effort. Um, so from an environmental point of view, from every everything point of view, um, it's it's a real positive. This has been a great discussion. I think we're we're just about at time. I want to give you the opportunity to uh, to let the listeners know how do they get more information about Formbird? Is there a URL or social media that you want to share? I think the best place is just to head over to formbird.com um, or just, just straight up Google Formbird, F-O-R-M-B-I-R-D, and you'll, you'll see us there. There's a number of contact links and free starts, and if you keep an eye out, we will have our self-service environment coming up. It's still, still a couple of months away, but uh, well on its way, and if people are interested in, in firing up an environment, a free environment, that's not a problem. Just get in contact with us, jump on, on there, register. And uh, we can throw you up something. There's uh, a ton of uh, documentation. If you head over to the documentation in there, um, you, you should be able to really get started. There's also a demo environment where you can register yourself as a user and create your own form within minutes. So um, that can give you a quick taste of it. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for spending time with us. This has been a great conversation. I'm really excited to dive in and take a closer look at Formbird. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com.